So would you welcome and honor, please, Colonel Pete Ford. Praise God, that's a beautiful family. Yeah, I got two little ones over there and uh, two more here, and my lovely bride, Jen. And then, of course, it's, uh, you can't help but uh, be thankful for a church called Blazing Fire if you're a fighter pilot. How great is that? You know, I, you know every, uh, the opportunity to thank you, sir, to go to a new place and, and, and see new churches every two to four years as the military allows you uh, means you're going to find new people whether you like it or not. And so you go into a new place. And it was really easy to go, I think I like the Blazing Fire name. <laughs> As a fighter pilot, I'm going to be going with that one, i got to tell you. Uh, and then, you go, of course, you got Captain America leading worship, so you can't beat it, right? <laughs> that's, that's a perfect spot for a fighter pilot. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, yes, sir, I will. Uh, I didn't know that was your brother. Excellent. Nice to meet you, Dirk. Uh, my bride, Jennifer. Jen, stand up, doll. Yeah. And now her dad introduced us. And her dad uh, was my first boss's boss. He was a colonel when he introduced Lieutenant Ford to young Jennifer. And he was a fighter pilot too. Uh, so you'll see them come in upon occasion. And then Anna and Zachariah. You all stand up too. And then... Yeah. We got the prophets, and then uh, Julia and Jacob are the two youngest ones in there. So, Lord, we give you this time. I thank you for the opportunity to, to glorify your name, for your purpose, for uh, your perspective here. Thank you for this nation that we live in. Thank you for this time. We, we ask you, Lord, um, not to come and go lightly from your presence, and that it's not worth hearing if it comes out of man, and it's only worth your words. Thank you for your perspective. So as a, uh, you run into Veterans Day, you run into the different pieces and parts of what we were talking about, mountains, right? So we look at the different mountains of what well, you're in business or you're in education or uh, politics. And I, 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 I'll, I've never seen a mountain I didn't like because they're great for playing around, right? When you're a fighter pilot, you, do, you look at mountains a little bit differently. <laughs> Right? Uh, I don't climb them. I easily surpass them. And the joy of that thin air is just that much more fun to turn in. And so, look, our spirits are made that way. My, my army brethren and my marine brethren, uh, by the way, that, the picture of the jets that you saw taken off, that's what I fly. And that was where I, we just came from, Las Vegas. Um. So the, my, my Marine brethren, my, my Navy brethren, my Army brethren, uh, by the way, the, the picture of the torpedo in Pearl Harbor was our backyard. We just, we, before we went uh, to Vegas, we were in Hawaii. So been there, done that. I see the, the, the surroundings they have, and they are phenomenal. A fight's a fight. It doesn't matter if it's eye to eye or if it's hundreds of miles or 3,000 feet or whatever it is. It goes pretty fast. When someone's there to kill you, you're fairly serious about it. But the joy, aha, the joy of knowing you're made for more than that. 
You see, I don't, and Jesus doesn't intend us to see that peace that he says passes all of our understanding as an emotion. It's not. When he said peace to the lake that he was on, I'm telling you, it was harder than this. You could have driven a Mack truck on that thing. Right? When he said shalom, which is the Hebrew word shalom, which they mean peace to you, look, that's not for anything more than your spirit. And because it goes to your spirit first, it hits your mind, will, and emotion, and then it hits your body second and third. It's not designed to be a piece and a part of the clay outfit first. That's stuff for, for guys that are stuck in the ground combat. For those of us in the air combat where we're all made, your spirit is designed to go faster than you can imagine. Amen. Those, those mountains are easily surpassed by your spirit. That's why the centurion looked at Jesus and he walked in and he said, I have a situation in my house. And Jesus said, I'll come. He said, you're a man of authority. I say to this one, go, and to that one, go, and it happens. You just say the word. And what did Jesus say? That cat's spirit has got faith, all kind of power. He's already in afterburner with his spirit man. So look, we are blazing fire. I don't want to light the building on fire. I don't want smoke coming out of your ears. My desire is that your spirit man stands into the strength that he's made for. Speak the word. Let it come out of you as a natural habitat because the word in you quickens your mortal body. That's why Jesus looked at the Pharisees and Sadducees and he says, you are a bunch of snakes, you religious mongerers. You're trying to affect somebody's mind or their will or their emotions or their bodies. And he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then how do you get it in your heart? The heart, the, that word is labab, L-E-B-A-B. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. It comes out of your mind because it's anchored in your spirit. And the only people, the only, the only beings that he put a spirit in back in Genesis 2 was us. Right? So when we read Genesis 2, so there's, I'll give you the verses later if you want them, but Genesis 1 says, Elohim, God, said, Let, I'm going to make man in my image. And he did, but he also made dogs and cats and whales and other beings, right? And he made them with emotions. We have, a, we have a dog at home named Duke. Duke has emotions. If his tail is wagging, happy day. If it's tucked, he's probably done something wrong, right? He sheds too, so he's got a body, right? He knows his name. When I call him Duke, he comes. There's all kind of things that go along with He's got a body. He's got a mind, will, and emotion. But what he doesn't have is what I have, which is relationship with the Lord. So in chapter 2 of Genesis, the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, he said, oh, I'm going to open you up and I'm going to put that spirit in you. Oh, my goodness, that's what we're made for. 
that spirit man relationship, that relationship with him. So when, we, when, we, when I talk about the things that happen to us uh, physically, the only reason I'm able to do those wonderful things is because the Lord's already set me free. Flying, wrapping, me around, uh, wrapping a jet around me so it's an extension of me is just getting me ready for when I get full authority in my spirit. And, and then that Mach 2, Mach 2 and a half that I've been is nothing. And those mountains are nothing. We're designed to hear His voice. Right? Because the Bible says His love has been shed abroad in our hearts. So that love, just like that, that peace is not an emotion, it's a spirit man force. Guess what? Love is a weapon. Love is a weapon. I know weapons. Look, that's me in my office. I got the weapons, right? But I got news for you. There is no weapon made better than the love of God. And he says, you've got unlimited reloads, right? (laughs) Romans 5 says, I've shed that love abroad in your mind, will, and emotion." And so if your spirit is connected, you're going to go higher, faster, and have unlimited reloads, and the love of God will go forth and accomplish everything whereunto you send it. You are designed as blazing fire to stick it up in the afterburner. But we mumble and gum our foods because we get busy using our three-pound brain instead of what your spirit man is made for. Step beyond that brain. And, and take your tongue and go, tongue, pay attention to my spirit. What God's Word says comes out of me. I do not want to be a brood of snakes. You bunch of snakes, how can you being evil speak what is good? Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Well, where your heart is connected, if it's only those hundred billion neurons, you're only going to speak what you can be trained or what you can be educated on. And God says, I've taught you all things. I, re- I tell you everything. The Holy Spirit will make everything known to you and bring to your remembrance everything I've said. We're made to go faster than that. And we're made to fire weapons farther than we can imagine. So here's what happened. Two days before 9-11, uh, I am in, and so I'm going to tell you right away, a quick way for me to get around, and this is complete open and honesty to, to let you know there are, uh, just like my bride said, right, the, uh, how do you know when a date with a fighter pilot's halfway over when he says, that's enough about me, let's talk about flying. <laughs> so, so that's enough about me, let's talk about flying. So two days before 9-11, I'm in... Uh, uh, I'm a weapons officer, so kind of like that movie Top Gun where they have that. Top Gun's two months long, weapons school six months long, and there's 1% of us that go through it. So uber, uber weapon type guy. And I was leading, I was a weapons officer in charge of northern Iraq at the time. So I had, I'm an air-to-air fighter pilot, single-seat fighter pilot, so I'm designed to only shoot down other airplanes. So I was coordinating all of that. Uh, had a, a real blessing. Uh, Jen and Anna at the time are on the other side of the earth in Okinawa, Japan. So it's, it's a long way away from home. Uh, <clears throat> so the situation is Saddam Hussein launched his, uh, he's got two top two fighter pilots and he's got some airplanes that are designed to go really high and really fast and shoot really far uh, missile-wise. Uh, but they're not as good as us because we're just better than them. That's good. 
just like I look at the devil and go, congratulations, man, you've got some game, but guess what? I am made in his image and been given his power. You don't have the same skill set I do because I am taught by the Holy Spirit. He said he would teach me everything. Well, thank you, Lord, I'll do that, right? So here it is, two days before 9-11, and, here, and Saddam Hussein says, you go and fly over the top of them and blow up some of their American airplanes. Well, turns out that's a really hard intercept. An intercept is just like a guy who's running a pass pattern in football to throw the football to him and actually score because you're getting covered and whatnot. So he's up at uh, 77,000 feet and going about uh, Mach 2.7. So he's going 27 miles uh, a minute, which is, turns out fast. And, um, and so I'm, I, run, I'm run the, I run my intercept. You start off going north first over Mount Ararat, which is really neat. I didn't have time to look down a lot, but that was really cool. But there's a mountain, right? And so it was way down there, and it's really neat. And I turn around, and then I come back this way, and I go over Mosul, which is northern Iraq, which is also Nineveh. That's kind of cool, too. I didn't have time to look very much. Uh, but Jonah didn't just walk right off of the thing with whale puke off and then talk to the people of Nineveh. He walked all the way across modern-day Syria. That's a long walk to go, Dad, come in. Why didn't I listen to you earlier, Lord? <laughs> right? So over Ararat, now I'm over uh, Mosul, and I basically I'm up at uh, 67,000 feet, uh, and I'm going about uh, 1.8. Uh, and I, I run my radar right. By the way, we all have senses that we've been given that the Holy Spirit will show us how to operate that are well beyond what your eyeballs or ears or normal five senses are designed to operate in. You're supposed to be good at those. Stop being bad at them. Use them. You are going to be held accountable for them. That's what I'm talking about. Proverbs 1.23, and if I look stern at you, it's because I'm stern. Right? But I'll smile too. I mean, I'm designed to shoot people, so it's good for it. Proverbs 123 says, Turn again at my reproof. In other words, go back to the reproof that I just gave you. And then the second part of it says, Behold. That means look for, claim, write a check on the fact that I will make my words known to you. I will pour my spirit out on you. So how do you get his words made known to you and his spirit poured out on you? You go back to what he reproved you on. So look, if I didn't know how to operate my radar up at altitude by myself in that jet, then the bad guy goes right by, blows up Americans, and we lose. But I trained. We're training. You're spirit man. The Holy Spirit's showing you this. So find out, and if you don't know right now, bad on you, what's the last thing the Holy Spirit said? Stop that. It doesn't glorify me. You're made for more than that. And I've made you to go faster than you're going. I've made you to hear me in ways you haven't heard before. I've made you to see me in ways you haven't seen before. I've made you to shut that hole below your nose and speak nothing but God's word and stop mumbling and gumming your food. Get busy doing godly things with this. So whatever the Holy Spirit showed you right there, go back to that and go, yes, sir. Why? Because he said, behold, in other words, once you do that, look for me to pour out my spirit on you. Look for me to make my words known to you. You want revival here like I do? Let's go turn again at his reproof. So I turned at his reproof. I turned my radar on. I, I flew the right intercept, which is really high, up at, up at 13, 14 miles up, right? And I locked him. And I was about 10 seconds away from shooting him. And he turns around. Well, praise God, I didn't have to kill him. I was happy to, 
if he needed me to. But I did my job. I got in the way. He turns back around. He makes another run for it. I get in the way again. I locked him. I have missiles ready to go. I'm sending them to him. They're not love missiles. They're real blow-up missiles, right? It didn't mean I didn't love him. But I'm sure there to protect our freedom and do what I'm supposed to do, right? So why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because I'm not offended at that guy. I'm not mad at him at all. I'm doing my job. He's doing his, right? But there was no offense. And so we get done. Uh, he lands. He runs away. Uh, and then I stay on station for the next two or three hours, and I go back and land. So when I land back in Turkey, I have a boss that is offended at me because in the middle of combat, I went to 67,000 feet, and 50,000 feet is where you're supposed to stop. Because if you go above the service ceiling of our jet, 50,000 feet, and you have a, a cabin depressurization and your blood boils, that's not good, generally. You want to avoid that. So they normally cap us at 50,000 feet. So I was up at 67,000 feet because I had to. My missile's not going to work down there with that guy going up there. So my boss looks at me, and he is unhappy, by the way. So this is a, a more experienced guy. He's heavier rank than I am. He's, he's bringing a two-star with him, and he's yelling at me as well. And I looked at him, and, I, and, and right away I got a little bit of a, hey, dude, I'm defending our nation. And then the Lord checked it. He said, no, no, you're not made for that offense. Just tell him the truth. Say, boss, if I needed to go to 90,000 feet, I would. I was defending our nation. There's Americans that we would have lost if I hadn't gone where I needed to go. And he, he leaned over on the jet and he said, Thank you so much, Pete. I forgot that. That's right. We're in combat. You do what you need to to do that. So guess what? We miss that, right? Psalms 119, 165 says, He that loves the Lord... Well, let's just read it. It's, it's worthwhile reading it because I want to go over the whole thing with you. Great peace have they which love your law. Nothing shall offend them. So what, kind, what is that peace again? Is that an emotional peace? No, it's shalam. It's your spirit man wholeness. So guess what? It is a whole lot easier to be in combat and not be offended at somebody than it is to drive in California. <laughs> right? Or have neighbors. But it doesn't mean that I'm allowed to do that. Great peace have they that love your law. So if you don't have great spirit man wholeness, if you find yourself being offended every 30 seconds, the chances are good it's because you don't love his law enough. Do that. That was me hitting you right in the nose. And I'll come for you again. Great peace have they that what? Love your law. So if you don't have great peace, if there's not spirit man wholeness in you, but if you find yourself in the middle of offense all the time, especially in the church, as it turns out, well, guess what? What does that mean? What's the flip side of that? You don't love his law enough. Your, your weapons are not going to work. They are not on. You don't have a radar ready to lock something. You're not listening to the Holy Spirit. We're made for more than that. And we're going to be held accountable to it. Because God's going to go, I gave you that reproof. It's going to be tough to fly that jet again if you don't put your gear down. It's going to be a real rough landing. And if you don't turn your radar on, you're never going to see. 
So he's made us intricately for his glory and for his kingdom. And the love of his law is the first. And the first thing it does is get in the way of offense. So what ends up happening? This is 9 9. 9-11, I'm leading again. And guess what? Because I didn't get offended and yell at that guy because he didn't have a clue, he was talking about peacetime stuff when we were in combat, he looked at me and said, I need you leading what's going on in northern Iraq. Our nation just got attacked. You got a clue. Go for it. Well, here I am. That's the favor of God. It never would have happened. Never would have happened if I had been looking for myself versus not letting offense roll in. Now, that's not saying I haven't screwed it up since then, because I do, <laughs> right? But I go back and say, turn again at my reproof. So those are the things I wanted to leave you to. Proverbs 123, Psalms 119, 165, uh, and then uh, Matthew 12, 34 that goes along with that. I love y'all. Yes, I'd love to. Sorry, I went. I'm, I'm Pray? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm obedient. <laughs> we give you glory, Lord. We give you honor and praise. And thank you for the opportunity to, to, to be here, to be placed here in this time, in this place with uh, these wonderful men and women. Oh, we uh, alert ourselves to your presence. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive me. How many of those things have I done that I've, I've been searching for my own way or I have to justify myself with my brain or my words or my actions or how much money I have or position? Oh, Lord, we love your law. We want great wholeness, great peace, great relationship. We want to hear your voice. We want you to make your words known to us. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for setting your fire ablaze in our spirit, man, so that we are lethal for your kingdom, to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, sir. Fired up. Blazing fire. <laughs> we, could, we could turn the, uh, this off. Thank you. That was good. Thank you, Pete. Yeah, I heard, I heard lots of stories. I, I uh, had the privilege of hanging out with Pete about, I don't know, a couple weeks back, and uh, just one story after another and going, dang, <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> But it's, um, yes, like he said, yes, he's intense. Aren't you glad that someone who's kind of the top of the top gun of, uh, of Air Force is like that? Because you've got to have somebody that, but, but not only is he intense, but he uber, uber loves Jesus at the same time. I mean, we don't even, you know, we just don't know. We don't know how much Jesus is working in the hearts of so many of his kids. So, okay, um, I... Some of the things that you were saying really fit with uh, what, what Leif was saying about the three chairs, what I preached about, 
a lot of that is about letting our spirit lead. That's why I gave you that, you know, 28 day um, assignment, right? Is to, is as you're waking up in the morning, Holy Spirit, I'm going to listen to you today. And you're saying to your own spirit, rise up. You're taking charge because your soul, your, your emotions and your mind, it's totally from God. It's just that they don't, doesn't always make great choices, especially in the midst of the heat of battle. And so um, we have to be listening. We have to be listening to the Spirit, and our spirit is listening. So, it, so again, how, how do we lock in to our spirit listening like that? And, and a lot of it is that, that choice. And it, sometimes it starts with our words before our minds catch up. See, we keep waiting for our minds to get everything, but our minds aren't going to get everything. That's the problem. Keep waiting to understand everything. No, you're telling your spirit, rise up. Your spirit's going to lead because your spirit knows what's up. Your spirit's listening to the Holy Spirit all the time. So we start with the words, and then later we start realizing, oh, it's working. I'm more aware of what, when God is moving, I'm aware of it. When he says, don't go there, I'm listening. I'm getting these little signals that I wasn't getting before. So, um, and, and God is training us up. He doesn't want you, he, you can't do this on your own. Right? Christianity, I know you know this, but it's not a self-help program. It's not a make yourself good for God program because you can't. He says, I'm not interested. So he's training us because he loves us. A few weeks ago, our elder team, uh, all, all six of us, had the privilege of going up to Bethel Church in Reading. And uh, we went to their advance, which is about, I don't know, 800, 1,000 pastors from all over the world descend there twice a year. And, uh, and we listened to um, Bill Johnson, Chris Valentin, my spiritual dads, uh, some of the others, Paul Manwaring. And, um, and, and, and it's always fantastic. It is always life-giving. I, I always feel open heavens like I got such clarity of, of, of thought and my, my spirit's going you know, bananas up there, like everything's so clear. But this time, I got to tell you, it felt different to me in a really good way. You know how the, the last few years, if you've been around in the last two years or so, you know that we've been talking a lot more about things like words like vulnerability, words like authenticity, um, you know, living with a whole heart. We've been talking this kind of talk and and so many of you have chosen to go there with us and get real and and let God have access to your hearts and you're seeing dramatic change because I'm watching it happen when we were up at Bethel they were using all those same words they're going there too it's almost like the Holy Spirit is orchestrating this all over the world (laughs) it feels good to know that the that where we've been going is what the Lord is doing and, and do you know why? Because he's getting us ready for something. It's not an end in and itself. It's not like, let's just see how much you can work on my heart so that you can work on my heart so that my heart is worked on. Cool. Are we there yet? No, he says, I'm working on your heart because I'm about to do something on the earth you have never seen before. My, my kids weren't quite ready to receive what I really wanted to pour out. Bill Johnson said this. He said that, he said, get ready because, because we're living in a Psalm 67 moment and we are about to see the greatest favor 
and the greatest resources and the greatest authority that we have ever seen before as, as believers. God is, is going to give us resources. He's going to give us authority over the next 10 years. This um, And favor, crazy, crazy favor. Now, I understand as believers we have favor. That's right. But I want to tell you something. As, even though Christ lives in us, there's so much more that God is desiring to pour out, but we haven't had hearts that have been ready for it. Some of it has been just like just like Pete said a few moments ago. Some some of it's been because we've been we've been too enamored with the world. We've been going after stuff that is killing us and hurting ourselves and hurting people around us. That's true, but it's also it's also the deep heart issues of. Are, are we even feeling worthy enough to receive the blessings he wants to pour out? See, there's a lot of our deep heart stuff going on. And let me, let me tell you something. He is, he is working on my heart all the time, and I love it. When I was younger in my Christian walk, I used to, I used to only want this. I used to want the two thumbs up. You know, from people, oh, I'm, I'm doing good, right? I'm good, right? Okay. And I like to hear those things. I remember Chris Valentin, who, who became a spiritual dad to me about, um, uh, about 15 years ago. And uh, early on, you know, that's all I wanted. I, 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 like, I, I adored Chris. He was awesome. Bill and Chris, both, both spiritual dads. But Chris was the one that kind of spoke into my life more, you know? And, um, and I just, all I wanted him to do is, Chris, come speak a blazing fire and then tell, us, tell me how awesome we are. And tell, tell us how great we are and how great our worship is and our worship team and all that good. That's all I wanted to hear because I, I, needed, I needed those. I just at the time when I was younger, I needed those kudos, you know. And Chris did a lot of that. It was good. I needed that. But then as our relationship grew, he started telling me things that were hard to hear. I'm like, oh, I don't think I like that. You know, things like, yeah, he told us some really direct things, you know. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of one, but, but uh, you're, you're not so good at confrontation. You guys got to grow up about actually challenging people. Ooh, okay. Actually, he used stronger words than that. And uh, <clears throat> as only Chris can do. And so, but, but then there was a shift that happened. And this was, this was about, um, this was right after our sabbatical. It was about three years ago. And we realized this is when we started, just started to move into this whole atmosphere of family. We have got to learn and, and, and have hearts connected as family like never before. Chris came right in that, in that juncture, in that moment, about three years ago. And um, he was meeting with our leadership team. And I said, I said uh, Chris, you know, it'd be kind of cool if you talked to us about this and this and this. And he said, well, I, I could do those things if you want me to. Or... I could tell you what the Holy Spirit's telling me that you need to hear. <laughs> Only he said that right in front of my leadership team. <laughs> but something had shifted in me. I was, I was done just needing the pats on the back and going around. I didn't want to go around the mountain a few more times. If I can hear something that I need to hear and it's going to set me on this course, bring it on. Something shifted, and he did, and we learned, and we said yes, and we, you know, we listened to his heart. That's the thing is, is, is when you have a relationship with someone, and you know that they're for you, and you know that they love you, then you're going to have to hear some hard things sometimes if you want to grow. 
something shifted. Something is shifting in all of us. When we, when we got back from the, that, we talked when we were at the advance two weeks ago in Bethel. And since we've been back, we realized, oh, you know, we're all feeling this. All, of our, all the elders are feeling this thing in our hearts. It's really time to grow up in a whole different level in the Lord because of what's about to be poured out. And we, we want to go there. So over the next over the next five weeks, I mean, this is starting even tonight. I mean, you surely kicked it off there, Pete. But starting tonight, there's some things I want. I want to sh- as I'm doing. I want to share my heart with you. Next week, um, Suzanne and I together, we're going to share some things. Todd, Karina, Russ, and Susan, all of us. There's some things that are gripping us. We're going to get really real. Only, only it's going to be 100% with love because we are we are moving into some really exciting times. You ready for this? So Bill Johnson said we are in this. Um, there we go. We are in this Psalm 67 moment. We're in a Psalm 67 time. So I want to read this to you. Because this is explaining, again, what, what God, what he is desiring to pour out and why. So here we go. May God show kindness and bless us and make his face to shine on us. The very next sentence, verse 2, then when he does these things, then the earth will acknowledge your ways and all the nations your power to save. Are you getting this? By us being blessed, the nations are going to know who he is. It's, it's time as his children. This is, this is not, um, I don't know, a distorted prosperity gospel that makes people nervous. But I'm telling you what, because people get nervous about that, they run in the other direction and, and think they're supposed to have, live in poverty to be spirit, more spiritual. That nothing could be further from the truth. And this isn't just about money. But I'm saying this, God wants to bless his kids big time. He wants to bless you big, but not just for yourself, but so that you will be a blessing to the nations, so that they will look on and say, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a God we need to know. So let's just keep going. Verse 3, let the nations praise you, God. Let all the nations praise you. Let the nations rejoice and sing for joy. For you judge the world with justice. You judge the peoples with fairness. You guide the nations on the earth. So let the nations praise you, God. Let all the nations praise you. Because the earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, our Papa, our Yahweh has blessed us. May God continue to bless us and be revered by the whole wide world. God loves the nations. He loves every nationality, every nation he has made. See, we can't say, well, yeah, you know what, God? Um, I want to, I think I love Sweden. And I love, um, you know, and start to pick and choose. But I don't love North Korea so much, you know? No, 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 no. This is where, I, I, along with you, I am asking God, God, give me more and more of your heart for the nations. I want to weep. I want to weep. He'll do it. If you ask him and you really want to go there, you actually want to get his heart for the nations, he'll do it for you. 
He listens to those prayers. There, there was a time when I did a lot more weeping in my intercession. And I think some of it, some of it was probably immaturity and some of it was something I long for again. What I mean by that is, I think in some ways in the past, I thought that I had to intercede in a certain way in order for God to respond. And, so, and it was more holy if I was doing certain things. Well, that's not true. That's not true at all. But I also know when I was pouring out my heart, I was, I was a lot more weepy over certain things. And I'm asking for that again. I want to get weepy over the things God loves because that's, that's how we begin to capture his heart again. That's what's going to give you the motivation. It, it's, it's a heart thing. Your motivation to go out and make a difference in this world, it can't just be, well, I, I want to I be a really good Christian or hope God is happy with me if I go do this. That's not going to last very long. But when you start feeling what he feels, ooh, when that starts rising up, now you, now you want to get in the game. And you, you're like, oh, give me someone I can love. And I was just praying this prayer that I wanted to, to weep more. <laughs> Excuse me. And then I was showing a friend Donna's video from last week that we showed because she keeps preaching, Art. She keeps preaching. <laughs> if you did not hear that last week, I, I loaded it onto the Blazing Fire Facebook page. Listen to it. It's phenomenal. She was on fire. So I'm, I'm, I'm showing this video to my friend Steve McCree. We're watching it together. And Donna was right at that place. She says, and you think you're going to the store to get some eggs. But, but God's like, you have to say, Lord, who, what am I here for? Who am I supposed to reach? And as she's saying this, I'm just starting to, to weep. I already heard it several times the week before. Only this time I'm just weeping, weeping. So I'm, ask, I'm saying to you, would you join me in asking for a heart that weeps for the things that he weeps for? Not because you want to be a depressed person. He doesn't want you depressed. He's going to give you the joy of the Lord. He'll, he'll have you cry something, and then the next, you know, five minutes later, you're laughing again because you're a son or a daughter that's loved. He, he doesn't, he's not wanting you to stay in some depressed place. That's not what this is about. So can we just stop for a moment? And agree. I mean, if you want this, just ask him, Lord, would you give me your heart for the nations? God, just tell him that if you want it. God, give me your heart for the nations. Let me see what you see. Let me cry over what you cry over. And God, let me be, let me be the light to the nations that you desire me to be. Yeah, just you have to make it your own prayer. It's got to be something that, that you want. And if you don't, if you don't want that, that's okay. You can be honest with the Lord. You know, I don't know if I'm there yet, God. He loves you just the same. But I am trying to, I am trying to spur something on here, spark something in you. And of course, you live in the Bay Area where the nations are right here. But I want to tell you, I, I do believe this. He, when, as you grab his heart for, for the nations, for, when I say the nations, that's another word also for all the sons and daughters that he loves all over the earth. Just, you know, again, what, what Pete was mentioning a moment ago, he didn't have hatred in his heart for this other pilot. That's still, that's a son. That's a son. And, 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 and so regardless of what we're doing, we have to suspend our judgments and instead ask God, can I have your heart for each person I meet today? 
And that's hard when, well, it's impossible. When we, when we carry um, pain and judgment in our hearts, uh, offense, you know, somebody's doing something that's ticking you off. Let me just tell you, when you carry offense in your heart towards someone, you've now disqualified yourself from being the one who's going to reach them. Unless you let the Lord deal with that heart and get you back in a good place. Now you can reach them again. Now you can love them. In fact, one of the ways, one of the ways I've really, I've really actually um, had the opportunity and the favor to minister to people is when my heart was offended, I realized it, and then I got honest and told them and asked for forgiveness. This happened, some of you have heard these stories, but long ago, uh, 22 years ago, 23 years ago in the Presbyterian Church, I, there was a couple pastors that I was, I just got offense in my heart towards them, and I just didn't like them because whatever. They were somewhat, they were in a different denomination and blah, 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 because it really doesn't even matter. And, um, and, I, and then so I realized God showed me my heart. It was kind of, you know, hard to see that. I wept with him, and then I went to these people and told them. said, I am so sorry, but I was carrying this in my heart for you. They didn't know that. I didn't have to go do that, but I wanted to. Because there was something about just getting squeaky clean, you know? Like, let's just start over here. Let's put this in the light so I can never go to that place again. So I went and talked to them, and we, I, I became great friends with them to this day. You know, 25 years later to this day. So, yeah, God, God has, um, he has redemptive purposes for every single nation. Every nation. I don't care how dark you think it is. There's a reason why he's put it on the map, he, and there's a reason why they're a people group, and he loves them, and there's a redemptive purpose for them. There's a redemptive purpose for the United States. So, so don't listen to the garbage of why, why the United States is falling, why we're, you know, we're a horrible demonic nation. Don't go there. That is not helping you. Lord, what's your redemptive purpose for this nation, because that's what I'm agreeing with. I've had, I've even had relatives who say, you know, why are you living in California? It's this, it's that. And I say, because I am here because I'm God's answer to what he wants to do in California. And so are you. You are a light. You are a light to California. You are a light to the Bay Area. How many people say, oh, you know, three worst places in the world. Stop it. What is God's redemptive purpose for San Francisco and the Bay Area? What's his redemptive purpose for Tri-Valley and for Pleasanton? See, and whatever your city is. What? Ask him for that. Agree with that. Be part of that answer. And again, we just talked about you being Jesus wherever you are. So you may be thinking, well, what can I do? I'm not, I'm not the mayor. I'm not the fill in the blank. No, you're you and you're Christ, Christ in you wherever you are. And if we had all the Christ in everyone's who are out there doing, be in the light, making a difference, culture shifts. It's kind of like, it's kind of like voting. You know, what is, well, what does my one vote matter? Oh, it matters a lot when, when it adds up. And so, and you, you matter. You matter, you matter, you matter. What you do matters. I have no idea where I'm on my notes because I'm not really following those tonight. Um, I want this is, this is significant 
Blazing Fire turned 13. Actually, we do in two days. In two days, we have our 13th birthday. That's pretty significant on a lot of levels. 13 is the age of uh, bar mitzvah. Bat mitzvah and bar mitzvah. Sorry. Both. Well, sorry. Bar mitzvah. Guys. Anyway. Which is what? It's the growing up time. Didn't I just talk about that we're going to be growing up in a really good way? I mean, we have been growing up. We have been. So, um, but, but, and, the, and, and in the uh, bar mitzvah, it is about, um, you are now, up till now, you've done your best to keep the laws, but now you're required to, right. in the Jewish faith. But let me say this, what, well, what, what relevance does that have for us in Christ, who perfectly kept the law for us, right, so that we could be free? What, does that have relevance? Absolutely. But let me, let me tell you why. Because... Uh, Paul, see now I gotta find it since I'm all over the place. Paul in uh, Galatians, I don't even know where it is. I think it's six nine. Galatians six nine says that when you when you love your neighbor, you are fulfilling all of the laws. Jesus says this. He says, I'm gonna give you a new command. I want you to love one another. And he says, How are you gonna do that? Well, as I have loved you, that's how you're gonna love each other. So, so this is, this is Christ. He says, I fulfilled all that for you, but love is truly the fulfillment of all the law. We are not, just because Jesus lived every single perfect thing out for us, doesn't mean that now we just get to do whatever we want and step on whoever we want and just say, we're good because Jesus made me good. No, we get to be genuine lovers the way he loved. We get to learn what, what is that really to ourselves and to the people around us that we love. So we turn 13. And um, I, I want to I tell you something. Wow. I got so much I want to say. This is going to be part one of two, by the way. We're, we're getting up next week, okay? We're going to continue on. So you have to come back. Same bat time, same bat channel. All right. Okay. Um, Thirteen years. Susanna and I have actually lived in this valley in Pleasanton for 25 years. We came here because Jesus brought us here. I know that 100%. But he brought us here and he came, he came to me in a dream. Many of you know this. He came to me in a dream. We didn't know where we were going to go. He says, he said, Brent, do you love me? I said, you know that I do. He said, don't worry, I have a place for you. He reached out and he touched me, and I lit up with this white glory. And instantly I was wide awake in my bed, still lit up with this white glory. And I just started weeping and weeping. And two months later, he dropped us right here in Pleasanton. I don't have the time to tell you the details, but that's what happened. Seven years later, we thought we were leaving the area. He said, no, no, no. Came to me supernaturally in a movie theater. His spirit fell on me and said, you're staying here. You're putting your stake in the ground here. Do you know that we've put our stake in the ground? Do you guys know that? We're not going anywhere. We have way too many promises about, about the revival that is sweeping this region. In fact, he told me that even before that movie theater experience, that his spirit was going to sweep through this valley with or without us. Did we want to be part of it? Now, that's some of you, that sounds harsh. That is so like God. 
this is what I'm going to do because I'm God. This is what's going to happen. I'm inviting you. You want to be part of that? That's, that is God. That's totally his heart because he doesn't make you do anything. He, in, he invites you into the more. So, so we thought we were leaving. He said, no, no, you're not leaving. We had a four-year experience that was really difficult for us and where we had to learn a lot of lessons. And then 13 years ago, we planted Blazing Fire Church. Why is that significant? I'm going to get back to that question in one second. I'm going to go in a roundabout way. You know that during these 13 years, many times we've been looking for a place of our own. We have this house right there. We keep saying, hey, yay, Blazing Fire's on place, yay. But I'm telling you something. It's, it's about here. It's, it's just about upon us. And there, it's something that I know deep in my spirit. In the past, I would have said this. I would have, I would have said as a, I wanted to be a good leader. And so I always felt like I had to find the right place and I had to find the building and I had to have all my ducks in a row so that when I came to you and said, Hey, this is the place. Let's go there. Woo. Yay. Let's go. And then we had several of those things that didn't happen. Right. Any of you that have been here a while? So what feels different about this? Well, about a month ago, I was maybe six weeks ago, I was, having a good, I was having a good cry with the Lord. And a good cry is good when you need to. And actually, it was in one of those moments where, where um, I actually had the, a tallit over my head. That's that Jewish, you know. I love doing that sometimes because it really is. It's like you're all like boxed right in here with Christ in you. There's something cool about it. I don't know how to explain it. And so, but I'm just crying and I'm saying, God, uh, it was one of those moments of saying, God, um, you know what? You, is this something you want? Because I'm cool if you don't you know, want us to have our own place. I'm cool with that. I'm not going to get to heaven, look Jesus in the eye face to face, and then suddenly be disappointed that we didn't get a place of our own. Right. Not going to happen. And in that, um, something again, something in me shifted. And this is this is one of those... If you remember the chairs, this is one of the moving from chair two to back to chair one, which is in that moment, it's, it's so okay when you are broken and feeling distraught or whatever, let it out. Tell him all about it. It's good stuff, but stay engaged. Stay engaged with him. So what started happening is something just, I just, something just rose up and I started making declarations. And the next thing I'm on a whiteboard and I'm, I'm back to declaring, he's like, what do you want? I want a revival. I'm declaring all the things that he's told me over and over are going to happen. And I'm writing them all up on the board. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm standing up and I'm crying and I'm declaring them only. I'm feeling them now. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen because you said so, Lord. So, so then I'm driving around town and I, just, and I hear the Lord talking to me about the building. You know, because I was back to revival and all the good stuff that's going to happen. Because you know it's not about a building, right? I mean, that's just serving a purpose to the greater good. So it's not like having a building is suddenly going to make everything all right. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's going to create a lot more issues, right? But I'm driving around, and I, and I just, I just something drops in my spirit I'm about, um, about the size of a building. And I... And, I, and he starts to say, you know, why don't you go here and go over there? It wasn't where I was heading. And I find a look, I find this building back there that I didn't know was back there. And, and it's the exact size that he told me about. I mean, I'm giving you the much shorter version. We've had the elders there. We've prayed around it. We've, it's, it would be an amazing place. It would be awesome. Is that where we're going to be? 
I don't know. Five or ten years ago, I would have thought I would have had to tell you, I know that God said this. This is what I know, is I've learned to follow the breadcrumbs and listen to his spirit. And when I do the next thing he says and the next thing he says, something good always happens. It often doesn't happen the way I think. And that's, that's where I've changed, I think, over the years. I think I just thought I always had to have this super clarity and always know and never be wrong. And that's what a good leader is. No, you know what? I'll tell you what a good leader is. What I'll do for you is I'm going to keep going after the Lord's heart. I'm going to keep doing the next thing he says. But this time we have to do it as a family. I think in the past, I was, again, trying to be that good, strong leader for you and say, this is the way, let's all charge. And you're like, well, okay, I guess so, sure. This time around, we're going we're to be praying through this together. We're going to be talking about this together. We're going to be asking the Lord together. And if we go somewhere, it has to be together. Because that's the only way we're going to get there. See, God, God is doing something with covenant. He's doing something with commitment some of these words that were like oh did you just say the c word two different ways i did (laughs) commitment covenant things that were like scare us because some of us have been in things where those words were used really bad and all of a sudden we were manipulated and that's not who we are and so we decided we have to stop being apologetic because we are all about empowering people but we absolutely need covenant and commitment with the Lord first and with each other if we're going to go anywhere together. If we're going to take this this area, this region, we're going to do it together, committed to each other, covenanted to each other. Part of what that means, for example, is that is that when there's relational difficulties, we aren't just cutting and running. That's, that's not what we do. We're, we actually learn tools. We're working it out. We're saying, ouch, that hurt. Let's talk, you know? So I'm still going to get back to you think I forgot, but I didn't. I'm going to tell you why the 13 years and all that is significant. So I was praying, the elders and the overseers, we were praying about this, about this building. And we were, read Psalm 67. We were reading that over the whole thing. Wait, it's God's heart to bless us for the nations and, uh, so that the nations will know him. And in the midst of this prayer, I had totally forgotten that we were turning 13. It's not something I don't think about each Blazing Fire's birthday every year. I don't. But we were in this prayer... And all of a sudden I get, hey, what, what about that 13? We're turning 13. Is that significant? So I follow the breadcrumbs. I follow the little, the little inklings that start coming through. And I go, hmm. And I Googled it. Next thing I see is, is uh, that 13 is a, year, is a number of great blessings from the Lord. And, and the, the, the first site, the, one of the sites that I went to as I looked at it, talked about 13 the, the 13 years between when Abraham tried to make the promise happen himself through Ishmael and when the promise was fulfilled through Isaac. In other words, it's the different, it was the length of time between man, woman trying to make it happen and God doing it. God saying, this is time. Check this out. This was some of the things on this website. I, I, I was so, as I was reading this, I got so happy. I, I really did. My spirit got so happy. And this is part of what I was telling you about, this very solidness. I don't feel like I am hyping one ounce to you tonight. Hype is not going to get us where we need to go at all. It's going to be following the leading of the Holy Spirit, only this is, this is so God. As I'm reading this, I'm getting so happy 
um, just, just listen to this. The, um, they, they, they call it the number 13 promise. Again, uh, with Abraham, right, from, from uh, Ishmael to Isaac. And it says this, that the, the promise, the number 13 promise is always initiated by God and it's destined to change the world forever. Concerning man, uh, to obtain the promise is beyond hope. It's impossible. But concerning God, it's the chosen opportunity to manifest his plan of blessing and change. The number 13 promise always has an underlying knowing that man can't make it happen himself. The number 13 always has the underlying fact that God determined it, said it, and it would happen regardless of the circumstances. The number 13 is the difference of what man can do and what God can do. The number 13 is the number of new life, right? New life with, with uh, Isaac. The number 13 promise always has time and space between when it was first given and when it was given to manifest. The number 13 promise always has a season in which man tries to bring to pass himself what God has promised to do. Absolutely. Absolutely, I've been there. The number 13 promise also has the season in which God brings to pass his promise regardless of what man has tried to produce on his own. In other words, even us... Messing up and trying to make it happen doesn't disqualify us from his promise. That is awesome. We all make mistakes in hearing God. What's our part? What's God's part? Right? Can I just tell you something? Your part and God's part never goes away. We're always, we're always wanting to make it one or the other. It's both all the time. However, we need the spirit to be able to discern what's, what, you know, how, how, what steps do I take, Lord? Let me just say this, because even 13 years later, when God says, here you go, here's your promised child through Isaac, can I, can I just be blunt for a minute? Abraham uh, and Sarah still had to hop in bed. They had to get frisky with each other. I know that's a lot. Uh, because Why? Because they actually had to be obedient. God said, no, you're going to have a son from your own loins. It's going to be from you. It's not from your servant. But that means they actually had to do something, didn't they? Even though it was all God fulfilling his promise. I'm just saying, it is you have to be obedient to the things he tells you to do. You have to keep taking your steps. We are doing some of our due diligence on, 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 these, on the building, for example. Is that going to be the one? I don't know. But here's what I found out. I found out that, that trying to make it all happen myself doesn't work and it gets exhausting and depressing and all the rest. I also found out that sitting over here and saying, okay, God, I'll wait you out. You can wait a really long time. And you're not doing anything. And you're like, okay, God. He's like, um, get in the game. So, because if you think about it, Isaac, I'm sorry, Abraham, way back here, when God first came to him, this is uh, Genesis 13, it was, it was a more general promise. I'm going to make you father of many nations. He didn't say anything about a child coming out of his loins yet. Did you know that? Go read it again. And, and, and then basically what Abraham did is he kind of just lived life for, you know, 11 years or so. Nothing really much happened. Hmm. I know. I'll make it happen. 
And Sarah says, yeah, sleep with your maidservant. So he tries to make it happen. So first he does nothing. Then he tries to make it happen. Then there's still another long wait of 13 years before God says, now, now. I never forgot my promise. Some of you in this room need to hear this for yourselves. Because we're going somewhere together as a family, yeah, but it's about also a lot of sons and daughters that God is really crazy about. You've had dreams, and you're like, when, God, when? And you've had seasons where you're like, forget it. I'm just going to stand in the corner, and if you want to do it, you know my address. (laughs) And then years later, you're like, well, that didn't work. And some of you have tried really hard to make things happen, and you've gotten exhausted and discouraged. I want to I encourage you, get, if, you're, if you're on the sidelines, get back in the game. Ask the Lord, to, right, what, what should I do, God? What's the next obedient steps? What do I do? And, and let your spirit lead, not your soul. So ask, so, so what I said earlier, spirit rise up, because you're listening to the Holy Spirit. Rise up, and, and you're going to tell me. I'm going to get those inklings. I'm going to get those nudges from God, and I'm going to do something about it. And we all know, unless the Lord blows on it, it it's not going to come to fruition yet the way that we're, we're hoping and asking. And believe me, you know, waiting for something, it's not just 13 years. We had another church four years before that, so 17 years of waiting. But check this out. Do you remember? Do you know, do you know the time from when God first, way over here, said to Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. And way over here, where Isaac is born, 25 years. Suzanne and I have been in this valley 25 years. My spirit knows that's not a coincidence. For some people, maybe it is. Maybe you're trying to, oh, Brent, you're just trying to make all the numbers work. I didn't even think about any of these things until the last week, until the last couple of days. And God just starts going, and dropping that one in my spirit, and I'm like, oh my, what? Are you kidding me? So God is giving you permission to pick your dreams back up. I'm talking about the ones that you know was him. I understand there's certain ones that we, there's certain things in our soul. We just, ah, I want to do this. I want to be great. I want to be known for this. I'm talking about the things that you know that are deep in there. Certain promises that have probably been confirmed several times. And over different years. Remember, Abraham, here, here, and here. Three different times God confirms it. Each time he got more and more specific. Read it again. I never picked that up before. Before this week. How much more specific he got every time. Interesting, isn't it? So Abraham really didn't know what was going on over here. It was something, this is really good, I think. It feels really good. I just don't know what it is, but it's good. And then he starts saying, no, it's going to come from you. You know, he keeps giving him more and more. So I'm saying to you, God is giving you permission to pick your dreams back up again, the ones from him. And now this time, to ask to let your spirit rise up and say, Holy Spirit, what are the next steps I need to take? And God, this is where the childlike trust comes in. I trust you, Papa. He is astoundingly good. Anytime that we don't believe that, something has got 
a little sideways in our thinking, in our, in our soul. He is astoundingly good. He has nothing but, but ah, amazing good for your life. And he perfectly orchestrates things, even when it seems to take forever to you. He says, oh, no, when I actually pull the trigger on this thing, you are going to know how brilliant I am. And you're going to know how much I love you. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you now. He loves you right now. But I'm, but I'm saying when he, st- when he pulls the trigger on certain things and you see it, the beauty of it, the brilliance of it, like, oh, God. That's what I know is coming for us. I know we have a place coming. I do. I do. In fact, just, just a couple, I'm, I'm, I think, let me see what time it is. Okay, I've got to end this thing. Just, just a, a less than a week ago, I'm minding my own business, doing dishes. This is what happens is the more your spirit connects in with God, he just kind of interrupts whatever you're doing or says, hey, I'm going to join you here, right? So I'm just doing dishes, and then I get this thing in my spirit. This is not like a question I've never thought of or, or talked to God before, but this was different. And he's like, is that building for a blazing fire or is it for me? I mean, I've, I've had these conversations with him, and I've said to him, oh, God, this is for you. And you know, but now this was different. This was the spirit just, just getting right in there and going, what, what is it? See, I've had a lot of growing up to do over the years. When, we started, when I started the first of the two churches before this one and then this one even, I, I wanted to be the place. I wanted to be the place where you, everyone finds God and blazing fire, that's that cool place. You know what? God is cool. He's the cool one. That's such a, that word doesn't even, you know, doesn't even get there. But you, you know what I'm saying? God is the one. You know what, God? I don't care. This is a place he wants because he loves his sons and daughters in this region. He is longing for his sons and daughters to come back home. We do have his heart. We are going after his heart. If you think about the the culture, the 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 presence of the lord that we cultivate in 4 hours a week can you begin to imagine what's going to happen when we have a place 24/7 let your mind go there because we sure have we had a uh, dreaming session again with the elders and we just filled a whiteboard with all the stuff that he's going to do the stuff where he's going to be known for. So we're just going to begin to un- unveil this more and more. But I'm tell I just I just tonight, I-, I wrote notes. This was one of the hardest things I got ready for in a while. Hardest messages because I wrote I have nine pages of notes here because and I couldn't get any. It was all just good, so I just had to come up here and share my heart with you. So thank you for listening, and thank you that that I know there's. You know, most of you in this room, I would say, this is this is your home, and and in the coming months, we're we're actually going to talk about that more and more unapologetically. Like this is your home, we're going somewhere together. This is a family, but but to any of you, to all of you, even if it's not your home, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're hungry for the Lord. He is so happy about you. He is so proud of you that you want Him the way that you do. So go after your dreams. Let's just stop and pray that. Can I have the um, prayer teams come up while I'm praying? And even if an overseer, uh, elder, if any of you want to come up, that'd be awesome too. So I don't think we have a lot of prayer team here tonight. 
So I want you just for a moment, I'm going to pray this. I I want you just for a moment to allow the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you already know well when I was speaking what this is, but for some of you, maybe you haven't quite grabbed it yet, but what is it? What's the promise or the promises that you've kind of let go of or you uh, got frustrated with and just said, fine, God, forget it. Um, Would you let the Holy Spirit show you what that is? And I want you as, a, as an act, you don't have to say anything out loud right now, but I want you just as a, as a this is like a prophetic act here. I want you to cup your, your hands in front of you like, you know, like you're going to gulp some water out of them, okay? And I want, I want I'm, asking, I'm asking right now that you allow the Lord just to place that dream right there so that you can see what that is. For some of you, if something's not coming up right now, um, that's okay. Just do this later at home. Okay, but right now, just put the cupped hand, see that promise right there, that the one that you've been waiting for for a long time. Maybe there's a couple of them. You can put them both in there. And this is, this is what we're going to do. You ready for this? When, when, when God breathed into Adam, that's when the Spirit came. Jesus said when we're born again, it's because the Spirit was blown into us. Abram became Abraham. Did you know that? Sarai became Sarah because for both of them, God breathed his life into them and that's when they changed. So with this dream in your hands, I am blowing life into them in Jesus' name. speak life to your dreams. I speak renewed hope to your heart. And I declare you are that child-like one who God is so pleased that you do believe he's good. And he is going to do what he said he would. And so I give you the courage to persevere. And I declare you have ears to hear the Lord. And I give you courage to be obedient and to step out and to do the next thing he tells you to do. That's all you have to do is the next thing. You don't get there in one day, in one leap. Do the next thing. Courage, courage, courage in Jesus' name because you are ones now who are going to hold the weight of the favor, the resources, and the authority that are coming upon the church as we've never seen it before. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, so I told the prayer teams earlier, do you guys have uh, any any um, words of knowledge, anything you want to... Otherwise, we're just going to have you come up and be prayed for, but does anyone have a word of knowledge... Anything? Come on over. Come on across, by the way. Come on over. Yeah. Anyone? Just sensing something you want to speak over people? Any, uh, or, you know, a condition or something you just want to speak? All right. Well, here's the thing. Jesus paid for it all. (laughs) 
Last year we didn't. Last year, last week we didn't. Um, we didn't actually pray for people because it, we had Donna's celebration service, and it just seemed a lot better to have a big, big group family hug time. Um, but I, but I want to say this. This is this is what I heard from the Lord. There's there's too much pain. There's too much pain in the room for what Jesus paid for. And so um, that might be physical pain. It might be emotional pain. I don't know. But that's what we're here for: is to agree with heaven for you. I've I've been in. I remember, I just shared this earlier with the team, but I remember I was in Brazil several years back and there was a particular night where um, it had to, and no, it was a supernatural um, gift of faith that just came, came down. Every single person I prayed for that night was healed. I, there had to be 15 people in my line. It was every, everything from a person who had never smelled before in their life, and all of a sudden they, their olfactory senses came back. Uh, eyes open, you know, ears open. It didn't matter. And I knew it before I even prayed for them. Now, I'm saying that not because, well, Brent, he's the spiritual guy. No, it had nothing to do with me. I happened to be in the right place at the right time. However, I said yes. I took the steps of actually praying for somebody. And I'm telling you, we're entering into times where God wants that to be the norm. And we've been discouraged at times, either giving, either praying for people or receiving it. We've been discouraged because, ah, you know what? It hasn't been such a good batting average. I don't know. I don't know if I want to get discouraged again. We have to step out. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God will back his word. And, and I, I don't have all the answers yet. All I know is there's no going back. We've got to keep going. So if you need prayer, come get it. And you all, you are deputized by Jesus himself. You carry his glory in what you say heaven is listening to. Hey, that's a good word right there. So we are, we are done. I bless you. If parents, do get your kids. And, then, and please come forward for prayer if you need it.